Hey, what is up, soccer fans? Welcome to this episode of the Saudi Soccer Show. It's been an incredible week throughout the Saudi Pro League. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian Lovermento. As always, joined by the voice of soccer in America, Nick Webster. Nick, so much to dig into this week. Where's your eyes? How are you feeling? Seven-goal thriller. I don't even know where to start today. Well, that wasn't the only seven-goal thriller of the weekend. The goals have just been pouring in in the Saudi Pro League this weekend. And uh, the big five are making their move, but there's still an interloper. They're still hanging around, so there's so much to get to. Yeah, so listeners, I'm just going to tease for you at the top because we are going to be moving quick and fast in this episode. We're going to be talking about the big seven-goal classic between Al-Ali and Al-Nassar. We'll be talking about Nick was throwing some shade last week on one former Liverpool star who showed up. Al-Tawun is the real deal. Maybe we'll find out in this week's episode. Al-Halal continue to stumble. There's a little bit of trouble brewing over there, Nick, that we've got to talk about. A former Manchester United star starlet i don't know how to call him or maybe two are potentially heading to saudi arabia and my favorite topic the refs are not so great nick let's start with the seven goal thriller al nasar al ali holy cow a lot of fans must have seen the highlights what did you make of the al nasar classic Statement game by Al Nassar. 23,000 fans. It felt like there were 63,000 fans. I mean, the amount of smoke bombs, flares, atmosphere that was going on was just mind-blowing. And, and this is what I think when the public investment fund, they had their dream of what the Saudi Pro League could be like, what the messaging is to the world. This is the game, the kind of game that does it. We had the Classico last weekend that was a 4-3, another 4-3. Steven Gerrard was in a 4-3 this weekend. We'll get to that one. But yeah, Al Nassar, Rocket Ronnie, your boy. I mean, the classic goal celebration within the smoke. He scores two for his eighth and ninth goal of the season. But this this was really interesting for me. Luis Castro uh, reverted from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3 for Al Hali, and it did not do the trick, okay? Uh, Taliska was on fire in this game. He scored two goals plus an assist, and the, and it was just the, the, the quality of the game. Anasar went up 2-0. Uh, Frankie Kessie, one of your boys, he came back with his third goal of the season for Al Ali. Then Ronaldo took over. It was 3-1. It was 4-1. Murray's pulled one back. His third goal of the season and also another assist. 4-2. And then Borakan, his fifth goal of the season, made it 4-3. This is all before the 63rd minute of the game. I mean, completely bonkers stuff. But the, the quality of goals was really something special. And uh, I have to say, Taliska scored... An absolute worldie, top of the box, left foot, Ronaldo with a classic header and then a classic finish. I mean, this this game simply had it all. But for, I think for Al Ali, some some alarm bells ringing because you know you just can't be conceding that many goals. Uh, you know they 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 won the Clasico four three two weeks ago, but they they've now conceded seven goals in 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 two big games against their fiercest opponents, and I think to me it makes it it makes it very problematic for for this club if they have designs on winning the title, they've got to clean it up at the back. 
Yeah, and taking a quick look at the league table, you talk about Al Ali's goals conceded, and we can see it in the goal difference column. When we look at kind of the big clubs that we've been talking about so much, Al Ittihad plus 13 goal difference, Al Hilal plus 14, Al Nassar plus 13, Al Ali plus three. That is not a good sign, Nick. I love that you pointed that out, but I do want to bring it back to the greatest of all time, Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously at the double over the weekend. You always do. You always do. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? Someone's got to do it. But Nick, it's something you and I were texting about during this weekend's action as I was asking you. One, he might be the leading goal scorer in the world. It's really hard to verify across so many different leagues around the world. He might be up there. Let's put it that way. It's, It's really him and Erling Holland that continue to be a cut above the rest. But my question to you is where does he rank currently at this age late 30s as far as just pure goal scores this man puts the ball in the back of the net nick where does he rank oh brian you would ask me about ronaldo the, the one day i'm not wearing my ronaldo shirt uh for my money cristiano ronaldo is the best 38 year old player in the world hands down no doubt about it Nick, I'm not letting you get away with that. How many 38-year-old players are in the running? Johnny Evans is trying to compete there, but he's not quite there. <laughs> no, he certainly isn't. I mean, look, uh, I, th- I think what we're, what we're seeing is Ronaldo is he, he's, he's become a master craftsman. He's like, he's like Picasso. He's a Van Gogh. He's, he's able to paint his own pictures. And... You know, he, he actually took a, quite a bit of abuse in this game, uh, physical abuse. You know, he was getting kicked about quite a bit. But, you know, he keeps himself in such great shape physically and mentally. He was able to handle that. And, and then he went and hurt Al-Ali the best way he knows how, with goals. Yeah, it's true. And he just keeps banging them in. Leading the golden boot race still at this age is incredible. And pulling the league table back up right now, we see Al Nassar, who were, I'm going to remind everybody because I had to do the graphic and very generously put them at the bottom of the table, even when they weren't in the top half of the table. They are marching right up. They're into fifth place, just three points off the top spot. And that healthy goal difference means if they can have a couple of fixtures go their way, then they will be top. So they're going to feel really good about that goal difference. Nick, it's something you and I haven't talked about just yet as far as where the season's at, but here we are seven matches in. Goal difference is going to play a part at some point this season. Oh, there's no two ways about it. So, you know, we had another seven-goal thriller this weekend. El Etifak, Steven Gerrard against El El Tai. And uh, this was a game where I've got to kind of eat some humble pie. So I'm going to stick my hand up in the air. Um, last weekend, I mean, last week, and, and in fact, the week before that, I was bemoaning the fact that Gigi Wijnaldum has really not done the business since arriving in the Saudi Pro League. Not sure why, because he was so successful at Newcastle, unbelievable at, at Liverpool, fantastic at PSG. And I'm just thinking to myself, maybe he's lost a little bit of hunger. My bad. El Atifak and Wijnaldum with two great goals this weekend. Uh, but this this game, I mean, we, we, we spoke about Al Nassar and El Ali. Well, this game was just a ding-dong, a back and forth, back and forth. Uh, El Atifak went up. They went behind 2-1. Then they were losing 3-2. They get an equaliser 3-3. Dembele in the 93rd minute, his sixth goal of the season, wins it for them. Henderson getting his fourth assist of the season. But you've got to feel 
for Altai as well. So Bernard Mensah, he's a Guyanese international. He scores a hat-trick. And I got to say, two of his goals were absolutely world-class. And, you know, anytime you, you score a hat-trick and you finish on the losing side, it's got a sting. But, I mean, a great result for Steven Gerrard and Aletifak. And I think they've... They've overcome that little bit of a wobble, you know, uh, rounds three and four. They weren't exactly doing the business, but back-to-back wins have seen them move up to fourth place in the table. Yeah, their goal difference isn't as as good as uh, Al-Hilal and uh, Al-Etihad, but still, they're in there, they're kicking, they're showing their weight, and I really feel like... This is the this is the turnaround for Etifag now that Wijnaldum has found his goal scoring boost because I think he's he's such a he's such a cerebral player who you know has this ability to to just float on the edges of the game but while controlling the game and also I love his ability to arrive late in the box and that's what he did this weekend for his two goals. Yeah, and I want to remind listeners, especially listeners, I love how many people are tuning into the Saudi Soccer Show because this is their first season as a fan of the Saudi Pro League. And I want to remind everyone, Al-Etifak is not one of the four PIF-owned clubs. So this is a club that's been doing it the right way, making really difficult but effective signings. Damari Gray once again put in a really good game. We haven't even seen the best of Quezon just yet. He got some early goals this season, but he's been a bit quiet. And when we look at the table, I think it's fascinating. Fascinating. Al-Itihad and Al-Hilal, the two PIF clubs, two of the four PIF-owned clubs at the top of the table. But then we go straight into Al-Tawun, which we're going to talk about in a second, as well as Al-Etifak, which we're just talking about. And we're going to get to them again because they're doing shrewd business, Nick. And it doesn't look like their business is over. So yeah, Steven Gerrard working wonders there. He looked pretty good. I'm not going to not gonna lie. For a scouser on Saudi National Day, he was in his Saudi garb. And Nick, he looked at home. He looked like he's enjoying life. And the table shows exactly why. Well, I, th- I think, you know, look, there's always an adjustment period, uh, you know, and, and especially for, I hate to say it, for, for English, you know, UK players. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're going to Europe and even more so going to the Middle East, which is really uh, un- unknown territory. So I, th- I think it was understandable that Gerard has taken, you know, a few months to find his feet. But like you say, he's beginning to get comfortable with his surroundings. I'm sure now that his wife has settled, the kids are at school, and and that takes a lot of pressure off. Yeah, Nick, I do want to jump into, I think this is one of the stories of the season. Al Tawun could be the real deal when we look at where they're at in the table, and this isn't two weeks in. We are seven matches in. Percentage-wise of the season, that's no small feat. Talk to us about Al Tawun. What is making them tick? Well, a nice 2-1 win against uh, Al Riyadh, Pedro Santos and Walid Al Ahmed with perhaps the goal of the season so far. I mean, just uh, <laughs> an absolute screamer. Um, I think uh, Pericles Chamusca, he's their Brazilian coach. And, you know, these, these coach, some of these coaches are, are, are unknown. You know, you, you have your Gerards and your Slavon Bilic's, but, you know, Chamuska has spent the last 15 years in the Middle East, so he knows the country, the region, the environment inside out. And when you think that El Tawun, do you know how much money they've spent on their squad with new arrivals this season? Lay it on us. 
less than 15 million, less than 15 million euros. And they are punching it up with the big boys. And I think so much of it is down to Chumuska and his knowledge of Middle Eastern football. Yeah, and it's interesting because so many of these clubs, when we look at their starting 11s, you see star-studded 11s. And, and here, looking at Altawun's starting 11, yeah, you talked about João Pedro, obviously the Brazilian, 30 years old. He was on the score sheet this week. But looking around, it really is a bunch of journeymen. I mean, you see Musa Barro, the, the Gambian international behind him. And it's just, it's an eclectic squad that's been put together. And it is clicking. And it makes sense what you said is that this is a different league. It's what listeners already know from tuning into our show every week it's what people who get to watch highlights or watch the full game see the saudi pro league is a different beast and if you can master that beast it says a lot about your fortunes when it comes to league play we've seen it even to extrapolate that out to the afc champions league that's its own separate beast al halal for example found some struggles there which leads us right into nick we've got to talk about al halal because it has not been all rainbows and butterflies and who's at the heart of the unhappiness one and only Neymar. Well, listen, when you're tying to DeMarc 1-1, you got some serious problems. I mean, this was a team, DeMarc, they were in the bottom half of the table. Uh, they only had three points prior to this game. Malcolm opened the scoring, the Brazilian, in, this, in for his sixth goal of the season in, in the opening 10 minutes. And then, you know, it was just one-way traffic. But Al-Hilal couldn't finish. And this is a team containing Mitrovic, Neymar, Aldessari, who was back in the starting 11. So I think Jorge Jesus, he's got some, uh, he's going to be getting more gray hairs than he's already got because the highlights that I watched, yes, Al Hilal probably deserved to win the game on, on chances. But we, we know that unless you're putting these chances away, you're always going to be open to something strange happening. And Nicolai Stancio in the 68th minute finds the equalizer, uh, an absolute shocker from Bono. Oh my word. I mean, one, one of the worst goalkeeping mistakes I've seen this year. And uh, yeah, it's two massive drop points. And when we, when, we, when we look at the league table and, you know, you and I have discussed this for the last three, four weeks. If you're dropping points to the teams at the bottom of the table, that means you've got to take some points off Al-Itihad. You've got to take some points off Al-Tawun, off, you know, Etifak, off Al-Nassar to make up for the fact that you've dropped points to Demarc. I mean, it really is a a, a Stunning, stunning state of affairs. Yeah, I think, Nick, I'm very qualified to make the statement that I'm about to make since I am a Manchester United supporter. But the problem that's going on at Al-Halal right now is that every point dropped leads to a hogging of the headlines. Every headline this week is all about Al-Halal. There's a lot going right, but there's even more going wrong when they're dropping points. And hogging the headlines this week has been the rumors, of course, that Neymar wants to see the manager sacked already seven 
seven matches in and and you talk about their star-studded lineup looking at the player ratings the official player ratings from this past weekend Mitrovic a 6.0 Neymar a 6.1 obviously those two stars not clicking just yet Malcolm with an 8.2 was the man of the match Aldessari who you always have a lot of time to praise for a 7.8 those guys are showing up but it's really this week it's the stars and it's it's the the unruliness of Neymar it seems to follow him throughout his career Nick is he a bigger problem than he's worth well I mean it's 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 really hard to judge you know because you know you you can look at the table and go Nick Brian what are you guys talking about you know they're, they're in second place they're a point behind the leaders but it's the fact that they've dropped these points that's that's the concerning part for me you cannot drop you cannot drop points against the lower teams in this league because it's just so hard to make it up and look Neymar he's now had his second appearance or his two and a half appearances he played the whole game this time he's not scored he's got he's got his one assist um yeah I mean look I think we could say that he's taking time to bed in you know he's, he's come from PSG but if we want to look on the other side of the coin uh, you know certain Mr Messi you know he arrived in MLS and took over the league immediately so I, th- I think you know either either Neymar is going through the motions he's not fit but he's certainly got to get his butt in gear because they they're paying him a lot of money and i i'm, I'm sure the public investment fund is going to want to see a return on that money yeah and you can call it what you want you can call it and he needs time to bet in but to me neymar is one of the brilliant play players on planet earth he is a player that every fan worldwide loves to watch and and for me i just wonder about these brilliant maestros and and part of me thinks back to the days of eric cantona where more so than betting in what you need is happy maestros you need maestros that feel the love and so much of me wonders if neymar can start capturing that if he can start feeling that happiness we've seen it cristiano ronaldo loves life in saudi arabia just we saw him in the commercial promoting saudi the saudi national National Day. He's at home there. Steven Gerrard, we already talked about he's betting in. I think the quicker that Neymar can get there, I think having the the compatriot Malcolm in the squad and doing pretty well there, I think that's going to help. But I want to transition back because we are painting a very good picture of Al Etifak. And, and we talked about a few weeks about the transfer window being closed, Nick, but there continues to be rumors with one former Manchester United starlet, FA Cup winner who scored the winning goal in the FA Cup final, Jesse Lingard, potentially limping, linking up with his fellow Englishmen, Steven Gerrard and Jordan Henderson. Nick, good move, bad move, likely move, not likely. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean... For for me, it's I'm disappointed with how Lingard's career has has panned out. I mean, this was a kid five years ago who was a nailed-on starter for the England team in the uh, 2018 World Cup. Obviously, uh, a great player for Manchester United, but sort of lost his way. Went to West Ham, did well, but not well enough to be offered, you know, a, a full-time ride. Went to Forest, didn't really do anything there. Um, Still so young. What is he, 27, 28? I mean, he's not even technically in his prime. So perhaps this could be potentially a good move because sometimes I think, you know, players need to get away from the pressure cooker that is the English Premier League where the press is, you know, hounding you, where supporters are following your every single move. 
And if you're going through that little down spiral, you know, it's, I think it's very hard to, you know, crawl out from underneath that rock. So I think if Lengar gets the opportunity to, to go to El Atifak, he should take it with open arms because I think Steven Gerrard is the kind of manager that will get the best out of him. Yeah, I'm certainly not Jesse Lingard's biggest fan. He is a player that had so much unrealized potential, and I'm going to call out the thing that I like the least about Jesse Lingard, and that is through his entire career, he got so much patience from the English media, from the English fans. Why? Because people like to pretend that he's younger than he is. Nick, you are guilty of this. As an Englishman, you just called him out for being 27. Jesse Lingard is 30 years old. Even though he's 30, though, the one thing he does bring to the table is pace, he is electric, he's direct, and I do think that that sort of playing style is going to benefit Al-Etifak if that move works out. Nick, I'm going to throw a curveball at you because potentially another former teammate of Jesse Lingard's is also heading to the Saudi Pro League, and that is one, David De Gea. You just talked about some goalkeeping mistakes we saw over the weekend. De Gea to the Saudi Pro League? Well, I tell you what, you know, Bono cost a lot of money and the and the howler he made for the Demarque equalizer really that should uh, that should half his transfer fee. I think De Gea would do amazing in, in in the Saudi Pro League. I was really surprised that no club picked him up in the transfer window. I mean, after all, this is a guy that I think had uh, the second most clean sheets in the Premiership last year despite United's uh, you know, up and down form. I think that you know, De Gea, I think he was named player of the season at United f- four times in the last five or six years. So, yeah, look, he's, he's a great goalkeeper. And, I, and to be honest with you, I'm surprised that, uh, that um, you know, Ten Hag let him go. But I guess he likes uh, Onana. And, uh, yeah, if, if, if De Gea has the opportunity, I think, uh, you know, despite the Man United collection, uh, Steven Gerrard would be like, hey, welcome. Nick, come on. That was your chance to give us your best Scouse accent. (laughs) See, that's... The, the, the dog in the background giving the Scouse accent, I'm sure you can hear. <laughs> I love it. Well, a lot to talk about. But Nick, one of the things that I like about the way that you watch matches and you pay attention to, to leagues is you notice the trends. And this week, we've got to talk about a trend that you unearthed about refereeing. My least favorite component of the beautiful game. Nick, what are you looking at as far as refereeing goes? We haven't seen a masterclass around the world, but the Saudi Pro League is no different from the others. We're seeing some topsy-turviness there. Well, I mean, just consistency. And I think, you know, as, as players and coaches and fans, all you want is consistency. You know, be consistently bad. Be consistently good. But don't be all over the place. And last weekend, we didn't mention it in the show because I didn't think it was a, uh, it was a key thing. But there were seven red cards in just 10 games. Uh, no, excuse me. There wasn't, it wasn't even 10 games. It was eight games, seven red cards. This week zero so either either the referees are being told to clamp down on any physical play especially against the star players and yet this week they've let it all go and i mentioned i mentioned cristiano ronaldo uh in the al nassar game and he was getting kicked around all over the place last week that would have that would have been red card red card and uh al ali would have been down to nine players this week not so much. So I think, you know, as, as we spoke about, the, those teething pains, okay, as the league is getting more notoriety, 
It's certainly, certainly getting a lot more eyeballs on it. So not only are the players under pressure and under scrutiny, but so are the referees. And I think that, um, you know, the, the, there's been a couple of actually English referees who have gone over there, uh, refed a couple of games. And I think that what the Saudi Pro League needs is, is, a, is a referee um, overseer who has a ton of European experience who can find that, find that consistency that all referees need because, you know, they have the ability and a good referee, as you know, you don't even see them during the game. Yeah. Uh, this, this week, I think we kind of need to see them a little bit more, but they decided to keep the cards in the pocket and were like, hey, go for it. Put it this way, Nick. The refereeing was so atrocious. You're right. Ronaldo was kicked so much that it led to him having his own Mario Balotelli moment as lip readers were looking at Ronaldo on the pitch, and he couldn't help but say, why always me? So definitely a lot to look for in the coming week of fixtures. Nick, a lot of action this past week. Champions League will be resuming again next week, but even before we get there, there are a lot of domestic fixtures that I've got my eyes on. Al-Hilal back at home. Can they rebound against Al-Shabaab? Al-Nassar go on the road to Al-Tayi, which is a lower lower half of the table club. But the big one this week is going to be, if fans are wondering where should their eyes be, where should their attention be, for this Saturday, for all of us on the East Coast here in the United States, Saturday at 2 p.m. is the big match of the weekend. It's Al-Ali versus Al-Etifak. That's going to be a barnstormer. Nick, I want you to take the closing remarks today. Tell us what you've got your eyes on and what to look forward to. Well, uh, two things that are really popping out to me, and it's two teams, it's Al Taiwu and Al Weda, who had a great 4-0 victory uh, against uh, Abba. Uh, they've moved from 13th place to 7th in the, the space of two weeks. So uh, they're knocking in the goals. Uh, you'll be very pleased to know Igalo scored uh, his fourth of the season, ex, ex-Man United player. And um, the crazy thing is this, though, Brian. At the Al Weda game there was only 700 fans. So what I'm looking for this weekend, I'm looking for the hometown support. I'm looking for the soccer fans of the Saudi Pro League to get out there in force, support your teams, and create the kind of atmosphere we saw at Al Nassar in every single stadium in the country. I challenge you, Saudi soccer fans, get out there and support your team right now. Yes, you heard it from Nick Webster himself. So much to be excited about, as well as two Champions League clubs facing off in league action this week. Al-Feha hosts defending champions Al-Itihad. A lot to play for there. So action all over the place, whether you're pitch side and you get to take Nick's challenge and go to your local matches this weekend or your fans all around the world, make sure you pound that subscribe button and keep tuning in to the Saudi Soccer Show. We will see you, as always, every single week covering all the action So hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next week.